0: Hey y'all, my name is
1: Eric. I'm the lead pastor at Emanuel and Hooksett. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast. Our goal is to be a blessing to everyone who listens as you continue on your journey of faith. It's also our hope that you'll be encouraged to find a church to belong to so you can plug into that congregation and bless others with the gifts and experiences that God has entrusted you with. Well, I hope this podcast is a blessing to you and encourages you to get out there and be the blessing. God bless. We're going to start a new series here, Good Roots, Good Roots. We just went over um, bad roots for about seven weeks uh, and thought maybe we need to go through some good roots. And in this series, Peter Clow is going to be joining in on the series. He's going to be teaching out of the book that he wrote the journal, the prayer journal, and he's going to be sharing his thoughts on how to have that daily time with God as we go through this series. But we're going to start it this morning with good roots. Um, we study the roots of bitterness caused by an improper, an improper response to disappointments and to hurts and to selfishness. And it's a, certainly a, a self-centered response. When things come into our lives and we don't understand them, and we allow them to dig roots into our hearts, and we become bitter, that's because we've had an improper response to the hardships and the, and the heartaches. And so we want to replace those wicked roots with the good roots of witnessing, the good roots of meditating on the Word, the good roots of praying and praising and giving and gathering. We need to put some good roots in our lives, and then we need to maintain those roots, right? Right? Talk about maintenance. One thing my brother taught me early on when I started to get my own cars, and I didn't listen to him early on, which is why my cars didn't last. He taught me the importance of maintenance. Uh, He said, The most important thing you can do for your car, Eric, is to change the oil. Do you still stand by that? Somebody's clapping. (laughs) Randy's going to finish the message. Uh, And that's called maintenance, guys. We need to change the oil in our Christian walk. We need to change the oil in our Christian walk. It's like when when Jesus uh, disrobed and he knelt down at his disciples' feet and he began to wash their feet. Peter's like, you're going to wash my feet? I don't think so. And he talks about the fact that you you have been completely cleaned and you only need your feet to be washed. Our feet to be washed, it, it's, it's reminiscent of walking in the dust of this fallen world. Cleansing the, feet, cleansing the dust from our feet is, is talking about forgiveness and, and repentance and, and being cleansed, and we do that daily, and we, we maintain our Christian walk. And it's very important not to forget to change your oil. My wife's first car was a Dodge Dart, right? It was her dad's car, but he let her use it. had a slant six. I don't know much about that, but it was a slant six, and it was known for one thing. Oil leaks. That thing leaked oil. Man, you put oil in it like you were putting gas in that thing. And if you weren't paying attention, as was the case, you would seize that engine And uh, we blew up the Dodge Dart. We didn't maintain it. The oil was leaking. We didn't replace it. We couldn't fix it, but we should have kept pouring in oil. And the Bible tells us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled. And we need daily filling of the Holy Spirit. uh, Because like so many preachers have said, we leak. We leak. We are indwelled by the Holy Spirit. We are sealed unto the day of redemption. Redemption. That means we will never be lost once we've been found. That means once you're saved, you're always saved. That means when you've called out to Christ with faith and repentance, he keeps you and he holds you in his hand, and you are indwelled by the Holy Spirit, baptized by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ. And then he says, now be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so we we need to pray daily for the Spirit to fill us. We need some good roots. We need to maintain our Christian walk. And we're going to go to Colossians this morning. Colossians this morning. I have to admit, while reading Colossians in preparation for this sermon, I found it difficult to choose where to begin. And difficult even to choose sometimes where to bring the focus. And of course, that's the, that's the work of the pastors. Lord, where do you want me to focus on your word this morning? What does your church need? And so this is going to be, I feel like, an amazing and practical truth and help to you. This little letter to the church is about is a, to a church about 120 miles um, east of Ephesus. It's where southern Turkey is today, and this church uh, received this letter from Paul, and it's a sister letter to the letter to the Ephesians. They they parallel each other quite quite well, and you can get some fuller teaching if you choose to study this on your own. Study both of them together. It's an amazing thing. We're going to take a look at a couple of things about maintaining healthy and growing roots in our lives. This is our first stop on our way to consistent, a consistent and compelling life, right? Live to please the Lord. This sermon is more of an introduction of what to, what's to come. I was in a pastor's prayer meeting this Friday, and I pray with two different groups of pastors, and, and it's just such an awesome time. It's such a blessing to be able to minister to these guys and while well, they're ministering to me. And, and we were talking about compelling churches. And folks, joy is compelling. You need joy in your life. And there's a paradox of sorrow and suffering and joy mingling together. You can be joyful while you're in grief. It's possible as a believer in Christ. You have a confidence that the world cannot know but I look, out, I look out over churches and Christians today and I wonder where is your confidence? Where's your joy? How have you allowed, how have I allowed the world and sin in our lives to distance ourselves so far from our Savior? With everything happening in the world over the last two or three years, we have COVID, now we have war in Ukraine and, and what's gonna happen next? Gas prices are soaring already. Somebody got me a giant tub of cream cheese, by the way, so that's pretty awesome. I now have cream cheese. I think Nate has eaten half the tub. I sometimes warn my kids, don't touch this, it's not yours. And that's not selfish. That's good parenting. (laughs) I digress. We need some joy. Joy comes from maintaining a good walk with God. So let's take a look at this. For this reason also, since the day we heard it, Do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you walk, that you walk, that you walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long suffering, suffering, right? Long suffering with, long suffering with. What are we supposed to have? Well, obviously you need some today because you all sound like you are like, I need some joy. I'm only on one cup of coffee. I don't get joy till like three cups in. This is the problem, church. This is the problem. You have what the world needs, but they can't see it because we don't have joy We don't have that confidence. We allow the world and trouble and trials to affect us in the very same way it affected us before we knew Jesus. What a travesty. What a heartbreak for the Lord to know that he saved your eternal soul and that he walks with you every single day and he looks at you and you're downtrodden and you're suffering and you're not accessing his person and the joy that he can give you even in the midst of suffering. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us. Listen, we're going to talk about this in a minute, but giving thanks to the Father who has. No. Read the, read the verse. Giving thanks to the Father who has. What has He done? He has what? Qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints and the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness, conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. For it pleased the Father that in Him, that is Christ, dwells uh, in Him, all the fullness should dwell. And by Him, Jesus, to reconcile all things to Himself by Jesus, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of His cross. And you, you who were once alienated. Enemies in your mind by wicked works, which he is now reconciled. This teaches us something. Every single one of us were alienated from God. Now we're all the creation of God, but we're not all the children of God. The children of God are those who take advantage of the glorious gift of of Jesus Christ on the cross for our sins. When you cry out to Jesus to forgive you and to be your one and only Savior, you go from a destiny of hell to a destiny of heaven. You go from a child of the world to a child of God. You go from God being your judge to God being your father. And that is everyone's story. We who know Jesus were once alienated and enemies in our minds by wicked works, but he's reconciled us in the body of his flesh through death to present us holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. How does he do that? How does he do that? Through Christ, through his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Through the blood of Jesus, the punishment for all of our sins, our past and our present and the future, they are washed clean by the blood of Jesus and above reproach in his sight. If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you have heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven of which I, Paul, became a minister for, I want you to know what great conflict I have for you and those in, and those in Laodicea. And for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, attaining to all riches in the full assurance of understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now, this I say, lest anyone deceive you with persuasive words. For though I'm absent in the flesh, yet I'm with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, here we are again, what does it say? So walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, as you've been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit According to the traditions of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. This last piece, he's talking about religion. Be careful. That you don't get caught up in false religion, man's philosophy on how to attain perfection, on how to attain nirvana, on how to reach God. Be careful you don't let men come in and persuade you away from the word of God and what is written there and what you have been taught. And so as I went through these many verses, one thing that jumped out to me is this phrase here, Jesus is more than enough. Man. Jesus is more than enough. The, the, the fellow that, that wrote the testimony about addiction and his testimony, did you catch what he wrote? It's God that saves from addiction. It's God that saves. You're in AA, you know they tell you to reach out to your higher power. And this young man reached out to his higher power and came to recognize the higher power was Jesus. Put a name to the higher power, God. Jesus is more than enough. He fulfills us. He completes us. It's an amazing thing to come to know Jesus. Those empty places in our heart and our soul can be filled by Jesus and everything in our spiritual life must be Begin with Jesus and end with him. So if you're here this morning and you've never had a time in your life where you ask Jesus to be the, the savior of your eternal soul, this is the beginning. You need Jesus. You don't need religion. You don't need to be baptized. You don't need to come to church. You need Jesus. No one enters heaven without knowing Jesus as their personal Savior. No one's sins can be washed away by turning over a new leaf. No one's sins can be washed away by working off your sin debt. You might say, well, I'm not that bad a sinner. But the the Bible says in James, he that keeps the whole law and breaks it in one point is guilty of all. Because the law is a body of work. It's not just individual things. Thou shalt not lie. Thou shalt not do murder. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not covet. Thou shalt not commit adultery. It's not just a series of things. It's one body. And when you look at a woman with lust in your heart, the Bible says you have, you have committed adultery with her. And when you've done that, you have broken the law. You told that little white lie. You've broken the law. And the Bible says you're guilty before God because God is perfect and holy and good and righteous. And he said, nothing shall enter into the kingdom of heaven that's spotted by sin. Even one spot. And so you need Jesus. And he is more than enough. He is abundant in every way. You don't need Jesus plus anything. It's Jesus in you. You just ask him. And you turn from your sin and say, Jesus, I believe that you are God, the son, that you came to earth and you died on the cross and you shed your blood for me. And I believe that you rose from the grave and I'm asking you the best way I know how. Would you be my one and only personal savior? God, forgive me for my sin. I present to you the sacrifice of Jesus and I wanna be your child. And the Bible says, whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, period. And you can know you are. In 1 John five thirteen, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the only begotten Son of God. You can know. That's the confidence that we can have. My, the confidence of my salvation, friends, the confidence that I have a home in heaven the confidence that God is my dad is not because I'm a good guy. It's not because I'm a pastor. And before I was a pastor, when I was a member of the church, it's not because I was in Awana. It's not because I was in the choir. It's not because I led worship. It's not because I was a deacon. None of that has to do with being saved. None of it has to do with securing my salvation. It is Jesus alone. And he is more than enough. He doesn't need your help to save you. He just needs you to cry out to him. But have you, have you truly, did you listen to the testimony of Linda this morning? She grew up in church, did all the right things, but didn't have a personal relationship with God. She needed Jesus. And she cried out to Jesus to be her savior. And she was redeemed. Do you know Jesus today? Are you trusting in him alone? Jesus is more than enough. We're challenged to walk worthy of the Lord, to, to fully please Him. And then we're told, we're told how and why to walk a worthy walk in such a way that is equal to the value bestowed upon it. So when he says walk worthy, walk worthy, first of all, it starts with knowing Jesus. And then we walk with Him. In fact, we walk in Him. And we walk with the power of the Holy Spirit. And he says walk worthy. And that word worthy means of equal value. So in other words, we want to give God a good return on his investment. We're not paying God back, but we want to give a good return on his investment. Um, The Mordovian missionaries, years ago, they were were going out uh, on a mission trip uh, into a a dangerous place, and and that was their battle cry. (laughs) May God receive the value of what he has invested in right? We, we need to walk in a way that, that God is receiving value for the investment that he's poured into us, walking worthy of him, pleasing the Lord. So that bears, the, that, 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 that begs the question, um, what, what pleases God? What pleases God? Believers, first of all, we know that it pleases God for us to come to Jesus to be our personal one and only Savior. That pleases God, I don't think anything pleases God more. The Bible says that if if one person who doesn't know Jesus comes to faith that the angels in heaven have a party. Dude, the last two or three weeks, as people have come to Christ in our church, ain't listen, man, heaven has been rocking it out. We get a little embarrassed when we clap. Dude, they are rejoicing. Some of y'all are gonna get to heaven, you'll be like, oh, I can dance? I'm hoping when I get to heaven, I can dance, because I do dance, but I can't dance, so Trish won't dance with me. I'm looking forward to Chloe and Nick's wedding, because we're going to dance at the reception. It's one of my favorite things to do. I'm looking on TikTok i follow following a guy that does dad dances because I want to embarrass them to death. How, what, what pleases God? Being fruitful. Being fruitful pleases God, increasing in our knowledge of him, a personal, unshakable knowing of God. Did you know you can know God in a personal way? Not just reading a history book about God, but knowing God pleases God. That's a pleasing walk. That's a worthy walk. By being strong in him with his glorious power. In this, uh, listen, in this world there, there has and never will be the kind of strength that we have in God. In this world, they're full of chaos and trouble and trial, and they will be till the end, but we can walk through it with the power of God. You know, believers need not fear. I watched several years ago when the gas prices increased. I watched churches. I watched this church. And the fear in this church drove people from giving. The the gas prices going up. Uncertainty filled people's hearts. And then I watched this church through COVID. And I watched a much different church. I watched the church increase in giving. Confidence that God is with us. Confidence that God will carry us through. We have access to his glorious power. And in, listen, here's the deal. Here's the secret. If you want to please God, you have to let God empower you. We can't please him without the Holy Spirit. We can't please him without asking to be filled. Some people think that the filling of the Spirit is this great secret. How, do, how can I be filled with the Spirit? I'm going to give you the answer. You ready for it? It's not, by being, um, it's not by being sinless, right? Uh, you're not filled with the power of the Holy Spirit by resisting temptation. That doesn't fill you. You're, are you tracking with me? What do you think? How, how are we filled with the Spirit? Anybody want to hazard a guess? Witness? Witness? Bring your brokenness. Who said ask? Ask. Yeah. Ask. Because here's the deal. Yes, we're called to witness. That's one way we please God. And we are called to bring our brokenness to him. Come to God as you are, not as you think he wants you to be. Like, think through that sentence for a second. We come to God as we are, not as we think he wants us to be. We bring our brokenness to him. But here's the deal. You can't witness without the filling of the Spirit. You can't even come to him in your brokenness. You can't be so completely honest with God without the Spirit. So we need to be filled with the Spirit. The power of God is in the Holy Spirit. When we suffer with patience and joy, together we please him. And then I asked the question, well, why should why 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 should I be concerned about pleasing God? What's the big deal? I mean, I know he says we should, but what's my motivation? Why? Well, one, because he qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints of light. I went over that earlier. He invested in us. He is the qualifier. Those who have come to Christ for salvation, you have a spiritual name. You have a new spiritual name, a new name written down in glory. You have a stamp on you that says, child of God, and it can never be removed. He has qualified you, not you. That alone should cause us to want to please Him with our walk. He delivered us from the power of darkness. All who will come to Him. Have you been delivered from anything since you came to Christ? Can I share with you? I was going to share my testimony, and, and I don't want to do it as a, as a bragging thing, but I, I had... I, 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 um, I was bitter against this this person in my life. And I wasn't even thinking about him when I wrote the series. In fact, as I was going through the series, I wasn't even considering the fact that I was bitter against this person. It didn't even come to my mind, but it has, over the last several years, come to my mind. But while I was preaching the last seven weeks, furthest thing from my mind. I got to a place where I detested this person. And, and you know what I did? I don't see him very often. He doesn't live around here. But when I would see him, this is, here, here is a pastor of a Baptist church. It's going to shock you. I faked it with him. Oh, hey, how you doing? Good to see you. And then I would get in the car with Trish, and i like, oh, man, I can't stand it. I can't, I'm so angry. I love him, but I'm so angry. And then I would rant. That's gone on for how many years, Trish? 21? 22 years? 22 years, something like that. I don't know how old the kid is. And so, last week, God started to remind me that... Uh, you all need to practice what you're preaching. And I, wasn't, I still wasn't thinking about it as a response to the series, right? That's how thick I am. But I started to get this heart that I needed to contact this, this young man. Well, he's not young anymore. He's, he's an old man. And, I, and I, so I sent him a text. I said, hey, I just want you to know that I'm here for you. I know this person in your life is going through a really hard time and that you're close to him. And I just want you to know that I'm praying for you. And then I said, "And I'd really like to chat when you get a chance. So he didn't text me back. I'm like, all right, well, me I, had, I even made sure I had the right number this time because I'd done it one other time, and apparently I had the wrong number. So I had the right number, but he didn't get back to me, didn't get back to me, didn't get back to me. And um, finally he got back to me last week, and I called him. And we talked for like an hour and a half. And I just said, hey, brother, um, the reason for my calling, I don't want to make this worse on you if I'm digging stuff up or bothering you with it. Just tell me. But I need to apologize to you. Um, I've, been, I've been angry and bitter. And then I said I was something that I can't say in the pulpit. But I was bad. And... Uh, He said, you could probably tell I was faking it with you. And we had a really good conversation. He explained to me, well, this is what really happened. I didn't fully, I didn't have the whole story. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine being angry with somebody? Because you don't have the full story? Who would do that? This guy. So I said, well, first of all, I appreciate you sharing with me all this stuff but none of that matters in how I've behaved it doesn't matter it doesn't matter that he had good reasons it doesn't matter that that I shouldn't have been a bleep period period it doesn't matter and so I asked him to forgive me and he forgave me and he was very very gracious and I wasn't, it wasn't, a, you ever have those moments where you're afraid to contact somebody? I was not afraid to contact this kid. i never been afraid to contact this kid. I just didn't want to. So this, is one, this wasn't one of those moments where, oh, i got to overcome my fear to contact it. No, I mean, I, I had to overcome me. See, God gives us the power to be delivered from darkness. I didn't even realize how much darkness was in my life through that relationship that I had broken. Have you been delivered? There is a reason to walk worthy when you recognize that you've been delivered from darkness. When you've, listen man, when you were saved, if you've been saved, God changed your side. You went from the losing team to the winning team. You went from enemy to friend and citizen of heaven. Boy, that's a reason to walk worthy. I listened to some stories of some immigrants that come from Cuba and some other horrific communist regimes, and and they come to America. And let me tell you something, they're walking worthy of their new citizenship, more worthy than those of us that were born here. Their gratitude, because they know where they came from, and they see where they are. Church, do you know where you came from? You've been redeemed. You've been made a citizen of heaven. You've been Listen, he changed your sides. We have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of sin. Can I ask you that question? Do you know that you are a sinner before a holy God this morning? Do you know it? And if you know it, have you asked Jesus to be your Savior and to forgive you of that sin? If you haven't, you must. I don't want any one of you guys to walk out of this church without knowing Jesus and having your sins forgiven and being a child of God. That would be the greatest travesty if you never come to Christ because you have heard it and you need Him. We have redemption, that is forgiveness, We've been declared not guilty and holy in the high court of heaven because Jesus is more than enough. You say, oh, but Pastor, I just blew it this morning. Jesus covers you, He is more than enough. Confess your sin, ask for His forgiveness, and turn and walk away from that sin in newness of life and in the joy of the Lord because He has forgiven you. And finally, how do we maintain? this walk that is worthy. And this will be the entire point of this series. How do we maintain the worthy walk? The scriptures we just read said, by being rooted and grounded in Christ, by being built up in Him, by following the teaching of the Word of God and abounding in it with gratitude for the gift of the Word of God preached and Do you know Jesus? Do you listen to the preaching and walk away unmoved, unchanged? Listen, it's not because I'm a bad preacher. I'm not taking that. I see God moving and touching people's lives. If God is moving and touching people's lives to the extent that we're seeing people saved and we're seeing people change and we're seeing relationships being restored, folks, we're seeing the, the bars of bitterness being broken down. Maybe when you come to church, You've not prayed before you came that you would be moved by the word and the spirit of God. Maybe it's you. You say, Pastor, that's awfully arrogant to say it's not you. Well, listen, I pick on myself way too much. So today, I'm not. You need to hear the word of God. I'll tell you what. I could have a kid. I could get Audrey up here on the platform. And she would love it. She would dance and twirl all the way up here. And I'd say, Audrey, would you please read for me Colossians chapter 2, 9 and 10? Now, Audrey, are you called to preach? No. But I'm going to tell you the word of God is powerful, the Bible says, and sharper than any two-edged sword to divide, soul and spirit the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And you read the Word of God, and you come to a church where it's faithfully preached, and you walk out and say, yeah, that was all right. Or, hey, good job preaching, pastor, and you completely forget everything. You've missed the mark. You've missed the mark. Audrey, do you want to read this? You don't have to. I'm just wondering if you want to. What'd she say? I can't hear her. Do you want to? Yeah, come on, see. I'm even going to give you your dad's mic. So it will be a nice echo to it. Check. Hello. You hear that? It's right there. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. You are complete in him. You are complete in him. You are complete in him. Come on. That's good. Good job. Listen, man. You are complete in him. Good job, Audrey. Folks, it's not just me preaching the word of God. We just had Audrey read it. Did you hear what she said? Listen, man, I want to jump up on something. In Christ dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. What does that mean? It means this. Jesus is God. Jesus is God. And, and for those who have come to Christ for salvation, if you've ever been, if, you've, if, if in your life you've ever felt like, oh, man, I just... Something's missing, or or I'm just not good enough. Anybody ever feel that way? I'm not good enough. I try hard. I, uh, you know, I, I don't feel my own value. Whatever it is, he goes on. He says, "And you are complete in Him. You don't need anything else because Jesus is more than enough. You're complete. It's not about your failure." In fact, your failure draws more God to you. F.B. Meyer talks about a guy uh, struggling with a sin. Anybody struggle with a sin? Struggle with a sin? He said, a child of God struggling with a sin draws the Holy Spirit, draws the Father and draws Christ to him like like a mother would to an ill child. How many moms are here today? You got a child that's been sick, high fever, how many of you sat by their bedside? How many held their hand? How many checked their forehead? How many times you check the, you know, bring the thermometer in now? How many of you guys have written down on your chart, okay, Advil at 10, Tylenol at 12, Advil at, now they make the dual action one. I remember that. When Kirsten used to spike high fevers or cerebral palsy, she would get fevers like crazy. and We would just check on and love our child when she was in distress. When she had her surgeries, I remember her first experience with Botox. It broke me. And you just love your child. Man, when when you trust in Christ, you are complete in him. The world and religion will tell you that Jesus can't possibly be enough, but he is, and you are in him. You are enough. You are complete. Colossians 2, 13 through 15 And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he is made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. That is sin. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us. Uh, In other words, the list of your sin and the requirements for it to be expunged has been wiped out. Your record has been cleared which was contrary to us. It's been taken out of the way. It's been nailed to the cross. Do you have a sin in your life right now that you're struggling with? Bring it to the cross and nail it there. It's under the blood of Christ, man. Declare it. Enjoy it. Be free. He's taken it out of the way. He's disarmed principalities and powers. He disarmed Satan and demons and darkness in your life and he made a public public spectacle of them triumphing over them in it. What was the public spectacle of them? Dude, when he rose from the grave on the third day. We did it. We finally got rid of that Jesus guy. Yes. He's gone. Whoops. My bad. I remember hearing him say he was going to rise from the dead. I didn't think he was serious. Maybe we shouldn't have killed him. So the question now is, are are you complete in in him? I was 16 years old when my beautiful, amazing girlfriend invited me to Emmanuel. Sixteen, just a kid. I came to this church for about a year before I finally said, I need to be complete in him. I had religion. I was mostly a good kid. I'd heard about Jesus all my life. I remind myself now of Linda and she was talking in in her testimony. But I didn't have Jesus. I wasn't complete. And Tommy Stone preached that message back in 1987. And he asked the question, if you were to die today, are you 100% certain that you have a home in heaven? And I sat there with that hope so hand. I think so, maybe so. I I yeah, sure I must I, I must be. You know, I would raise my hand. I, I, folks, it was a hope-so hand. It wasn't a conf there wasn't confidence. Remember, this message is about confidence. You're complete in him. I wasn't complete. I knew if I died that that I was I had no certainty of a home in heaven. I struggled with that so badly. And then I came down to the altar and I prayed. And Jesus met me there. And I said, Lord, once and for all, I'm asking you to be my Savior. Forgive me of my sins. I believe you died and rose from the grave. Now, I had an argument with God. I won't get into that this morning, but he won the argument. He said, Eric, listen, man, I had to die because you are not good enough. I had to die because you are not complete. And I had to die and rise again because you couldn't fix you. You couldn't take care of it. That's why I died. It finally got through to me. He said, I want to save you. Just ask me. And that's the message for you. Are you complete in him? Well, I would say this. Trust him. Hey, all Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you'd like to know more, please go to our website, EmmanuelHooksit.com, where you'll find Helpful links and resources, and where you can contact us directly. That web address again is EmmanuelHooksIt.com. Bless God, get out there, and be the blessing.